This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. But on this July 4th, I want to go a different direction and consider what real freedom is, and that's our freedom in Christ and what it means to be free in Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says about freedom in Galatians 5, chapter 1, and this is kind of our major text today. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and this Bible says, then do not let yourself be burdened again. This is the NIV, by a yoke of slavery. That is a classic or key passage in the Word of God about freedom. See, Paul preached the true gospel, that we are saved for heaven by God's grace. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Neither do I. It is all the Father's grace in Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel Paul was preaching. But you had a bunch of false prophets there, too. And they were teaching you have to be circumcised to be saved. It was Christ plus. This is verse 2 of Galatians 5. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you... Let yourselves be circumcised. Christ will be of no value to you. It can't be Christ plus anything. What they were saying is believe in your Jesus, that's fine. But if you're not circumcised, you're not going to heaven. See, and here's the big deal. When you accepted circumcision, you accept all the baggage that goes with circumcision, all the Sabbath laws. You can do this on the Sabbath, but you can't do that. All the dietary laws. Loads and loads and loads of laws that were, were man-made, not from God. And so the Apostle Paul says, stand up for your freedom. Don't be burdened again by, get this, this yoke, this yoke of what? Slavery. In John 5, you got one of my favorite Jesus stories. He goes to the pool of Bethesda, and, and this is very deliberate. He went there to deal with this guy who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And the reason this guy had never been healed for 38 years is because there was a superstition surrounding the pool of Bethesda that an angel would come from heaven and disturb the waters and rile up the waters a little bit. And once the angel stirred and riled up those waters, the first one who could get inside that pool, that one would be healed. And for 38 years, this guy was never able to get there first, Okay. Made me think about people who are very low on money and they spend five or 10 or 20 bucks on lottery tickets and think, hey, there's a chance I could win the big one. Jesus says, forget that stuff and take up your mat and walk. And in John 5, 8, well, the man does. He takes up his mat and he walks. And in John 5, 16, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, see, that's that bondage to law, the Jews persecuted him. And, and, and what really got to me is the people who saw this, this miracle of Jesus, they reported Jesus to the Jewish authority and says, this guy, this, this guy, Jesus healed on the Sabbath. See, these people were in bondage, folks. 
That's bondage. They were slaves. And now you understand, when you think about something like that, why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, what he said in these words that most of us know. He said, come unto me, all you who King James uh, labor and are heavy laden. The NIV says, who are weary and burdened. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened. Well, why were they weary and burdened, man? They were living under all these ridiculous laws. Did I break one of these laws? He says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourself and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in my heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, these people were so burdened by ridiculous stuff, trying to obey these laws, thinking they were man-made laws, not God-given laws. That they, they, they were thinking, this is how you get to heaven. And so Jesus says, no, man, come unto me, all you that labor under this yoke, this burden, and I will give you rest. He offered them grace. He offered them real freedom. That's real freedom. And that's the title of this message. They didn't have to be good enough. They had to trust him who would one day die in their place for their sins. And I, it just takes me right back to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We are free from having to earn our salvation. That is the biggest deal. You're free from that. You're not going to live under the burden that those people lived under. I mean, understanding and believing and accepting this, that the Father gives salvation to you, and you don't have to meet some ridiculous, unattainable standard of perfection. Your sins are already paid for by the sons of God, if you believe, by the Son of God, if you believe in Him, and they're forgiven by God the Father. See, what I'm saying is you are in, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are in a right relationship with God. You're not trying to work your way to heaven. You already have that right relationship. And here's where it becomes very practical. Here's the bottom line. What you have is peace. You've got peace of mind and peace of heart. And I say this with all love for unbelievers. Unbelievers just don't have that. I mean, they like to think I never killed anybody or I, you know, I, and that somebody actually said I, I slept with a few guys or I slept with a few girls before I got married. But now I'm married and I'm Mr. and Mrs. Faithful. And a lady told me these guys, um, guys are making passes at me all the time. And I let them know I'm happily married. Did that before I was married, not now. And I'm happily married now. So I'm not going to do that. And she said, that's enough for heaven, isn't it? See, they won't tell you that, but the question that nags at the unbeliever is this. Isn't it enough? Being a good person really is enough to get me to heaven. But then that nagging question, isn't it? See, there's no assurance. And when you have no assurance, what don't you have? You don't have peace, folks. There's no peace. And see, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you have that peace. You got that peace. Now, we can, we, we, we can abuse that, too, and we can say, well, you know, Jesus died for my sins, and I believe in him, and I'm forgiven, and I'll just go out and feed my flesh and sin the way I want to. See, you can't do that either, because, because once you confess Christ, the Holy Spirit's going to live in you. If you are really saved, your, your conscience won't be silent. And if your conscience is silent, if your conscience is silent, there's a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4 that says your conscience is seared, and God the Father will discipline you, man. You sear that conscience of yours by disobedience so it no longer talks to you. The Word of God tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, and I got to tell you, man, I didn't write this. God wrote this. 
what God's going to do. My son, Hebrews 12, 5. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines, listen, those he loves. And he chastises everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship then as discipline. God is treating you as sons. See, you should be struggling with the small stuff. And if you're not, there's only two things possible. If you are not struggling with the small stuff, two things are possible. Number one, that there's no Holy Spirit in you because he will convict you. And if you're not struggling with the small stuff, you know, you may have to question your own salvation because the Spirit will convict you. And if you're not struggling with this stuff, you may not be saved. The second thing is, Maybe you've seared your conscience by continual disobedience, and Hebrews 12 is coming, baby. The disciplines are coming, so may you always struggle with the small stuff. Real freedom. See, the, um, the unsaved world looks at true Christians. Well, no, the bottom line of this whole thing, let me just wrap up that thought. The bottom line of that whole thing is you are truly free when you don't have to work your way to heaven. When you know and you understand, you are saved by grace. You are free from that burden of trying to observe every law while trying to do it, but God's law, not man's. Okay, real freedom. The unsaved world looks at true believers like you and me, and they think, hey, those people are in such bondage. These people are... Yeah, that's how the unbelieving world looks at us. We're in such bondage, we can't have a whole lot of fun. Sex for them before marriage is wrong? (laughs) And what fun is that? Or they buy a used car instead of a new car so they can give to churches and all those other charities and ministries and all that stuff. And you tell those Christians an off-color joke, and they kind of stand there and maybe chuckle a little bit, but you know they're not happy with it, and it makes you feel bad for telling the joke, see? Then they point to us and they say, you guys are slaves. You're in bondage. And I want to say, we are not, folks. We are the freest people there are. We have real freedom. First, freedom from the horrible burden of trying to earn salvation. But how about this? We're also free from the fear of death. Just a little while ago, I said, we have peace. We don't have to live with the uncertainty. My good works get me to heaven, don't they? See, there's no peace in that. But how about this? People will not admit to this. But people who aren't saved believe. They've fallen victim to this lie. They believe everybody goes to heaven. And they like to say that, but they won't admit the next part of their question. Everybody goes to heaven, don't they? Folks, if you belong to Jesus Christ by faith, you don't have to have that gnawing doubt. You don't have to say, I'm going to heaven. Am I not? I mean, you've got that certainty. What I am saying is there is this lie out there that says everybody goes to heaven. And this is very appropriate for July 4th because the biggest problem with the United States of America is this. We no longer regard the Bible, God's word, as the standard of absolute truth. I mean, what determines truth today, here's what determines truth, popular opinion, okay? Majority opinion, that determines truth. And the majority opinion is what? Everybody goes to heaven. I've been in the ministry, what, 30 or 40, for over 40 years. And I've conducted, I tried to think this through when I wrote this about, I'm going to guess about 375, 400 funerals in my 40 years of ministry. 
And I'll tell you something, lots of those people who I buried had no interest in Jesus Christ. And out of three or 400 funerals, I can only remember, I thought about this, I can only remember three, three people who said, who even questioned, three family members who even questioned the fact that their loved one may not be in heaven. Just about every other one said this, he or she is in a better place. That's the only thing that gets them through. That is the only hope the unbelieving world has, that that he or she is in a better place, and they have no idea what that better place is. And they say, this is what they say, standing over all the caskets, this is what they say, he would do anything for you. I've heard that so many times. He would give you the shirt off his back. She would do anything for you. And then I think about God's word in Hebrews 11:6. without faith, that's trust in Jesus Christ. It is what? You know that impossible, impossible to please God the Father. So the anything, quote unquote, the anything they would do for you doesn't count for salvation if there is no faith in Jesus Christ. Now I want to tell you what some people have admitted. They've said this. They've said, I say everybody goes to heaven. That's what I say. But I wonder, do they really? Does popular opinion really determine truth? Or where is it written? Where is it written? Show me where it's written that everybody goes to heaven. Give me something I can trust, not just what people are saying. Are Christians right when they say there's a hell and that not everybody goes to heaven? Is this Jesus stuff all really true? Could it be true? And can I afford to take the chance that these Christians may be right? Well, you don't, if you're a believer in Christ, you, you don't have to ask those questions. The rest of you need to ask those questions. But listen, you're going to love this, 1 John 5, 13. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, who believe in the name of the Son of God, I write these things to you, so that you may know, and I'm going to show off, the Greek word is epigenosko. It means know for certain. The Holy Spirit took a, 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 a word that, that, mean, that goes beyond know and means know for certain. So we can read it that way. I write these things to you, John writes, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know for certain that you have eternal life. None of this, um, everybody goes to heaven, don't they? Folks, you know what's going to happen when you die. And that, to me, is worth everything. I, 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 I can't even conceive of, of living my life with this gnawing doubt. What's going to happen when I die? Can you imagine going through life like that? And John chapter 11, just more, more fuel for your fire. John chapter 11, this verse 25, Jesus' friend Lazarus had died. He says to Martha, he says to Martha, Lazarus' sister, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead. Get that, though he were dead. If he believes in me. What's the next part? Yet shall he live. And then I never let a, a funeral go by without Philippians 1.21, which says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In this profit and loss culture, to die, if you're a believer, to be with Christ. Get this, baby. It's gain. It's gain. Then the last one I want to read to you is in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Listen to this. Our citizenship as believers is in heaven, and we eagerly. That's, that's the word I have circled. I've got eagerly circled. We eagerly, 
a way to Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. So we're going to get a new body like the body of Christ. But the whole deal is we eagerly wait. We, we wait for Christ to come again. We don't have to fear death, man. We get death. We get the very best. I mean, we eagerly wait for that. When you die, angels escort you into the waiting arms of Jesus, and death becomes a bridge. Now, get this, to absolute perfection, absolute joy. If you can conceive of absolute perfection, perfect joy in the presence of Jesus forever. And when I think about that, that's the reason I get up in the morning, because it puts meaning and purpose in my life. It, it gives meaning even to suffering. You know what your end is. You're assured of that. No suffering is ever without purpose if you're a believer. It fits in with God's divine direction for your life. It's the reason you deny yourself. It's the reason you get up with joy and a sense of victory every morning. Now listen, this is what's important. This is really important, because a lot of folks like to believe and they've said this, oh, I know, I know my loved one knows the Lord. They know the Lord, whatever that means. Just wish they'd go to church. Oh, yeah, but they know the Lord. How many hundreds have told me that? But there is no interest at all in Jesus Christ. None whatsoever. And yet, you're kidding yourself, and you say, oh, they know the Lord. Would you rethink that because so many tests have shown us that to remember something, to remember anything, you got to hear it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So if you're not telling your loved one that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven, the only way to heaven, and they're not hearing it, and you're saying, oh, they know the Lord, and they're not hearing it, I mean, how can they, number one, remember it? How can they, number two, believe it? And how can they, number three, stake their hope of heaven on Jesus Christ if they're not hearing it? And you're sitting there, and this isn't, this isn't nice. This isn't fun. I mean, you're kind of sitting there thinking to yourself, oh, oh they know, they're, go, they're, they're going to heaven. They know the Lord. They're just, I wish they'd get a little bit more involved in the church, you know. Would you rethink that? Because if they're not hearing it, they won't remember it. They won't believe it. And how can they stake their life on it? which means that you, you better start telling them. You better start telling them over and over and over again. So we're free from having to earn our way to heaven. We're free from slavery, that bondage to the fear of death. And here's, here's another big one, the third thing. We're free from self. You know, some people say, let's go see this movie. And you say, well, I don't think I want to see that when it's R-rated. And they may think, well, I'm glad I'm not a Christian. They're in such bondage. But, but remember, man, they're... Um, they're not admitting this, but they're wondering, do my good works really get me into heaven? They do, don't they? And everyone goes to a better place, don't they? See, we're free from that. And we are in the process of being free from self, from thinking, saying, and doing everything to meet our own need. Unsaved people, they're not that free. I mean, if you're here and you're not saved, I, I Pray that you give your heart to Jesus Christ. But, but if you're here and you're not saved, why do you do good things? Why do you do the things you do? What's the reason? If you're not saved, if Christ isn't your only, if you're totally committed to Christ as your way to heaven, why then do you do the good things that you do? And the answer is simply this. I'll answer that question. The answer is, when I do these good things, it makes me feel good about myself. Don't you see? It's right back to self. I mean, I do things to make me feel good about me. See, folks, that is bondage. That's real bondage. 
Or they say it's the right thing to do, but they don't look at the word. They have no standard for right and wrong. God inspired David to write this. Psalm 36, verses 1 and 2. He said, David writes, an oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. Now, who are the wicked? Not the serial killers, not the criminals. The wicked, by definition, the wicked, by definition, in the word of God, is anybody who doesn't know Christ. Anybody. Could be your very nice next-door neighbors. Could be your aunt and your uncle. But the wicked are even those very nice people who don't know Jesus Christ. And here's what David writes. There is no fear of God before his eyes. In his own eyes, he flatters himself. That is so true. Everybody's going to heaven. I'm a good person. See? He flatters himself too much to detect or hate his own sin. They can't hate their sin. They flatter themselves. But you hate your sin. You fight it. And the reason you fight your sin is you're aware of God. You're aware of God. I mean, you know God is omniscient. What does that mean? He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything you think, say, and do. He's omnipresent. That means when you're doing it, he's right there. I don't care what sin you're involved in. You're doing it, thinking it, saying it. He is right there. Picture God right there, okay? But see, as a believer, the deal is you're not afraid of him because you know he loves you. Now, now this is what drives me. The omniscience and omnipresence of God. I got to tell you, this is what drives me, to be obedient. I know that when I'm doing something, even when I'm alone, I'm not alone. God is right there. He'd be right there, baby, I tell you. I mean, he sees. He hears. He knows, he knows every thought that goes through my mind. He hears everything, see? And it's my heart knowing that he knows everything I'm doing, saying, and thinking, that he's right there. I want to please him. I just want to do it for him. I want him to be happy with me. Not because I'm afraid of him, but because I love him so much for what he did with me, see? And that's the reason I can hate my sin. See, I struggle with myself, man. I struggle with self all the time. But you see, I'm on the, I'm on the path to freedom. I'm back to Psalm 36 too. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to hate or detect his own sin. I never want to get to that point, man. I just, I, I want to hate that stuff. So if you're a believer... And you draw, I mean, here's the big deal. You draw on the power of the Holy Spirit to fight that stuff. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. For the Apostle Paul writes, we have not received the spirit of this world, but what we have received is the Holy Spirit who is from God. Then it goes on to say that we may understand what God has freely given us. So who's in us? What have we received? We received in us the power of the Holy Spirit to fight that stuff in us. That's why we are on the road, at least, from freedom to self. And unbelievers aren't, man. It is truly all about them. They can't hate their own sin. But the Spirit lives in us so that we may understand what God has freely given us. He's given us grace, man. We understand that we're sinners who merit no grace, but the Father gives it to us for Jesus' sake. And then we want to dig in, and we want to fight this ugly, miserable preoccupation with self. We have not the power of our will, but supernatural strength from the Spirit to battle this demon of self. And folks, more and more and more, I'm understanding, and I want to just hold this out to you. I am understanding more and more and more that I can't fight myself, that I need the Holy Spirit in the smallest detail of life. And only when I pray for the Holy Spirit, only when I do that, do I really begin to conquer this stuff? So please do that. What I'm saying is this. We're free from the awful tyranny of self. This preoccupation with me. How does this affect me? Even the weather. 
I mean, we're free to serve. We're free to set aside our plans, our schedule. And you know what you're free to do when someone says, let's go out to lunch? You say, sure, I'll meet you where you live. And I'll put the miles in my car. And I'll waste the gas. I'll, I'll put the gas in and all that stuff. You are free to do stuff like that. This is Ephesians 3.12. In him and through him, through faith in him in Christ, we may approach God with freedom. There's that word, freedom. Freedom and confidence. We may approach God with freedom, folks, and confidence. And you know, I, that, that, that is such a blessing. I mean, that humbles me. I am free from, from relying on me. That's the other thing I'm free from. I am free from relying on me as a child of God, as a true Christian. I'm free to understand my limitations, and so are you. And does it really get any better than that? That you're free from relying on self and your own efforts. You can come look at this in freedom. Before the Father, you, you are his child. You get to go before a holy God. And listen, you can come in confidence. You can give up the, the, this issue of, of relying on yourself and saying, how am I going to work this whole deal out? And, and you're free to take this to God and say, I don't know how I'm going to work this whole deal out, but I got confidence in you. Is that freedom? That is freedom. And the unbelieving world doesn't have that, man. We're free from living with the frustration, really the tyranny of having to earn our salvation. We're free from the fear of death. We're free from the preoccupation with self. We're free from self-reliance. We're free from saying everybody goes to heaven, don't they? Or my good works count, don't they? But here's the last deal. May we never, ever think ourselves superior to people who don't have that. You got to love those folks, man. You got to pray for them. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.